welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The Second Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled on a case that has implications for everyone who purchases digital music and wants to share it or resell it. The court ruled that Raydigi, an online marketplace that brokered sales of digital music files, was infringing the exclusive rights of copyright holders. Joining me is intellectual property attorney Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Uchin Rosamin. Terry, a federal judge once compared Raydigi to a clearinghouse for copyright infringement. Tell us how it worked and what the issue was. Yeah, sure. Um, Ray Digi came up with a technology which they called Music Manager, and you downloaded it onto your computer or other device, and it then checked the music files you had, and it made sure it verified that the music files you had on that computer or device had been lawfully purchased by you. It then migrated any files you wanted to resell to what they called their cloud locker. And as it migrated the music file to the cloud locker, it deleted the music file from the seller's computer or device so that there was only this one file and it wasn't being um, resold and then retained at the same time. And then once it was on the cloud locker, uh, another person could buy it. They would download it from the cloud locker and it would be deleted from the cloud locker. And so that was the process that Capitol Records and several other plaintiffs complained about by filing a copyright infringement lawsuit in the United States District Court for the Southern District, New York, a couple years ago. So if a record store can sell a secondhand album and a bookstore can sell a secondhand book, why can't an online store sell a secondhand digital file? Well, that's exactly what Ray Digi was trying to do. They'd actually set up this technology to allow for the resale of a, a digital music someone had become tired of or wanted to share with a friend. And the court here said that the first sale doctrine, which is what allows for the sale of uh, used books, used phono records, it even allows for libraries to lend out books, that the first sale doctrine does not apply to Ray Digi because Ray Digi was actually making a copy of the music file as it moved it from the first owner to the cloud locker and on to the new owner, and that the first sale doctrine did not protect against this copying process. So what does this mean for people who want to share digital music they've purchased or want to sell it? So what the court suggests here is that if you wanted to sell the music you had lawfully purchased down on your computer, your iPod, your phone, you could still do it by transferring the hard drive off of the computer containing the music or transferring the iPod itself or whatever device your music was stored on, that that would still be a lawful transfer and would be able to claim protection under the first sale doctrine. But of course, that possible scenario is so economically irrational that for all practical purposes, the Second Circuit has said that uh, with respect to digital music, you are unable to resell it. What about the fair use defense? Did that come into play here? 
So Ray Digi also made as a backup argument a defense that this was fair use. And fair use has often been used by courts, most recently in the Google Book decision, as sort of a safety valve. So that when a, a, a situation develops under the copyright laws that the court thinks um, society will not accept, they call it fair use. So it works as sort of a safety valve to get pressure off the copyright system. The court here rejected any fair use defense. Uh, and it's very interesting in that the judge who wrote the decision for the Second Circuit, Judge Lavelle, has been in the past a big proponent of fair use defenses and is credited with creating the transformative use defense, uh, which has been relied upon by many um, uh, reusers of copyrighted works. We're talking to intellectual property attorney Terrence Ross about a decision by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. So did it give you any hints about what had gone on behind the scenes? So at the very end of Judge Lavelle's decision, there is um, several pages that I can only uh, refer to as an apologia. It, it essentially says, we know the result sounds harsh here, because in effect, we're saying that owners of digital music, unlike owners of books or owners of phono records, cannot um, resell that digital music. But the court goes on to say, that result is dictated by the Copyright Act, by the words of the statute, and we cannot deviate from the statute. And the court then goes on to say, if the public is upset by this result and they want to see it changed, they need to go to Congress and convince Congress uh, to rewrite certain portions of the Copyright Act to allow for the controlled resale of digital music. And that's a somewhat unusual statement by the court. And I think um, flags to everyone who reads it that they are perceiving this decision as being very unpopular, both in the media and with respect to uh, the general population at large. This was closely watched in the intellectual property field. How much was at stake here economically and for the rule of law? So the decision itself from the lower court was only a $3.5 million um, damages assessment against Ray Digi. So not a lot in that respect. However, I think the recording companies um, viewed this as undercutting their deals with um, uh, Apple and other online music sellers. And therefore, there was potentially um, hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. Um, and, and that's why this was pursued so aggressively uh, by the copyright owners. Might this reach the Supreme Court? I would think Ray Digi would uh, file a petition um, to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not have to take this case. And I think, quite, quite frankly, the Supreme Court will be um, reluctant to take it, even though it would be nice to have some guidance in this area. Um, the Supreme Court currently ha is very divided um, on copyright issues. And I think um, when you have that sort of lack of consensus amongst the justices, they are somewhat reluctant to take a case that would only result in a five to four decision, um, because that doesn't give great clarity. So I, I think we're likely to see a petition in the Supreme Court. I think it's not going to be granted. All right. Um, we only have about 45 seconds here. Might another circuit like the Ninth Circuit have reached a different conclusion here? 
Well, it's a great question, June, because the Ninth Circuit has at times been more open uh, to this sort of technological innovation and has has striven to find ways, particularly under the fair use doctrine, to allow the technology to take place, um, whereas the Second Circuit has been a little bit reluctant. So I, I think... Yes, there might have been a different result in the Ninth Circuit, and we might yet see that circuit split. Then it would have to go to the Supreme Court. Uh Uh-huh. Great to have you back on, Terry. That's Terrence Ross, an intellectual property attorney at Catton Muchen Rosenman, intellectual property, my favorite area of law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.